Radio Drome. It's episode 87 of Radio Drome. See, Brad, unlike last week, I checked before we started recording this week. Yeah, but you would have lied and I still wouldn't know what the number was. Episode 147 <laughs> and a half. I'd have been like, yeah, all right, all right. It makes Man. sense, I guess. Jared and I had like half episodes. You guys got really <laughs> far while I was gone. You weren't here for the 40 episodes we recorded in those two weeks? We basically <laughs> talked for like 20 hours and we're just like, oh, let's just divide this up into like 20 episodes. <laughs> nope, I was watching Black Cobra 3, that's place. <laughs> oh, with, with, with Fred Williamson? Heck yeah. Yeah, I've got that on VHS. Ed sent me a VHS earlier for Black Ninja, starring Richard Harrison, the blackest, <laughs> the blackest ninja. I've got a movie called Black Ninja. It's on my Soul Brothers of Kung Fu DVD set. It's got Black Ninja, Soul... Or no, it's got the Bad Ass Mothers set, and it's got Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, Black Ninja, and GI Bro. Oh, GI <laughs> GI Bro is just the original Inglorious Bastards. It does have edits to it, though. It, it they kind of edit it a little bit to make Fred Williamson seem more like a main character. Oh, really? That's kind of funny. Yeah, so it it actually is a re-edited. It's not just Inglorious Bastards. It's Inglorious yeah. Bastards. If it were kind of a black exploitation movie. Was it any good? I haven't seen the G.I. Bro version yet. Me neither. I've only seen the Inglorious Bastards one. Me too, and I've I've only read about the G.I. Bro cut, so I assume since it says G.I. Bro, it's not just Inglorious Bastards all over again. Thanks I'm looking you. forward to Soul Brothers of Kung Fu. I think that sounds interesting, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But we're not actually here to talk black exploitation. With Tony Scott's suicide and... Now the information coming out that the brain tumor reason that we'd been hearing is now inaccurate. We're going to look back at the career of Tony Scott, a director who I don't like all his movies, but damn, when I like one of his movies, I really like one of his movies. Yeah, and and what we were talking about, we recorded the episode last week when we were talking about Beverly Hills Cop Two, the day before um, the suicide. We got to remember, we got to remember to stop talking about people we like. Yeah, they end up dying right away. <laughs> what happened was on, on Sunday when when Tony Scott committed suicide, I was down editing the radio drone that Brad and I had just recorded the pr night previous. I I missed his phone call by like forty minutes. He leaves me this message, dude. Tony Scott just committed suicide. Call me back. We sat and <laughs> talked for like an hour after that about Tony Scott, and it's like, man, we got to make a drone out of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That I was just sitting there like, oh, thank God I'm already at the bar. I'm, I'm a really big Tony Scott fan, honestly, since since I was a kid. I haven't liked a lot of his, and I know this is going to come across not weird at all for me, his 2000s and up stuff. But I a loved his 80s and I 90s did. stuff. Well, I, I, uh, I think I'd like Man on Fire, but I have not seen that one yet. Man on Fire was really good. I, that that was that was really good. I dug that one. Well, we're, we're going to go chronologically, so we'll get into that. But first, let me ask Brian, yeah. how do you feel yeah. about Tony Scott's complete body of work? A fantastic director. I mean, like you kind of said, like even his movies that I'm not a huge fan of, I can at least appreciate what he did. And and the ones that I do love of his are just phenomenal movies. 
And then I, I had somebody, somebody who was not a Tony Scott fan, say that he was just Michael Bay light. No, no, no. Here's what I would say. Michael Bay perfected, or I'm sorry, Tony Scott perfected what uh, Michael Bay has been trying to do his career. And even, even when Tony Scott got into the 2000s, visually his style kind of changed a little bit, almost like his style became kind of what Bay's was. But Tony Scott even perfected that in movies like Man on Fire. A lot of rapid cuts, a lot of quick edits, but still <laughs> one up Michael Bay on it. I thought doing it completely better than Michael Bay has ever done. Nobody, nobody shot their movie during the magic hour like Tony Scott did. Michael Bay has been trying his entire career, but he's never going to fucking be Tony Scott. There's one thing that we can't deny with Tony Scott as a filmmaker. He has always lived in his brother's shadow because everybody knows the name Ridley Scott. You go to your average just Joe on the street and you say Tony Scott. They're like, is that the guy that did Alien? I never met anybody like that. Uh, I've never met anybody who can be really like I, I don't even know if I knew they were brothers until the 90s, until like maybe the earlier mid 90s. Their style, their tone, their movies are completely different from each other. Oh, I agree with that. I'm just saying he's always kind of he's never been as popular as his brother. He's never gotten the 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 big movies that his brother got. He got big movies, but his brother got the big movies. And it Which always it, wh- seemed like Ridley was one step ahead of him career-wise. Maybe certainly in critical acclaim, but I mean to be as much as I like Ridley Scott, I usually look more for the tone movies. I'm going to say I have not seen his first 3 things he did a short film called one of the missing in 1969 i haven't seen that of either of you uh uh-uh. no it, it being that early on i'd almost say that maybe like a film school project and then he did loving memory in 1971 as anthony scott i haven't seen that either that was a full release mm, yeah i haven't even heard of that one he did an episode of a french tv series in 1976 I haven't seen that, and I'm going to guess neither of you have. Oh, come um, on, man. The no- novellas de Henry James? Come on, dude. Yeah, you're not into those? What the hell, Josh? Come on. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. It, it, it's, it's my racism against the French. The film that really put him on the map is a film that I'm going to both praise and shit on at the same time. And I think Brad and Brian, I think you'll both agree with my reasoning for this. 1983's The Hunger. It's one of the most visually beautiful films you'll ever see. But there is absolutely no story or characters in this movie. Here's why I think that works. The Hunger, that's what it's about. It is about style. It is about, it's about style. It's about eroticism. It's about sex. It's about looking good, talking good, doing some pretty kinky things. And it does that incredibly well. You have to kind of side with Brad on that. I mean, I, I do definitely understand what you mean. I mean, it's it's yeah. The script could not have been more than eighteen pages long. I'm sure the script just said for for the next four minutes have really pretty visuals. But I mean, but to, I to think that, that respect, I mean, he, he did a great job of capturing that. I mean, even when there's nothing happening, you're still you still can't take your eyes off of it. So I, I think to a certain regard, I mean, that does stand a testament to him. 
think it does. I think, and also I think that that's so. I think that that's purely the intent of the movie. I don't think that that's an accident. I don't think that that's a mistake. I think it's a movie that stylistically very much succeeds at sexualizing the vampire like that. In whereas the Twilight movies failed at that. I also <laughs> think it it the style hit right when MTV hit. It has a very early MTV style to it, even going so far as the whole Bauhaus band doing the Bela Lugosi's Dead music video. Mm-hmm. And it it fits. It it seems like it fits into the movie. And I, and I like that. I, I like that a lot. And, Brad, when you and I were talking on the phone, you said you've never seen this widescreen. If you think it's beautiful full frame, find a widescreen print. You'll oh, be, you'll be floored. I'm... I'm surprised I don't have it. I still, I just, I just still have my VHS copy. I don't remember what the if the DVD is widescreen. Although, be, although I'd be surprised if it's not. But I've got it on laserdisc widescreen, and it's just gorgeous. And then he, for whatever reason, he didn't do anything for three years, and then he did what's probably his most famous movie, and that would be Top Gun. Mm-hmm. A movie Top that Gun. I didn't really. You gotta remember, I was 11 years old when I saw this, when I saw it in the yeah. theater. I didn't like the movie then. I don't really like it now. I think it's a, it, that is another movie that's more about style over substance, but unlike The Hunger, the style doesn't offset the lack of substance to me. Does that make sense? The, the Iceman come the way that's not it. <laughs> Wrong Iceman. <laughs> and, and and personally, I don't see all this gay subtext that like Quentin Tarantino did that whole essay on how it's the most homoerotic movie ever made and it's really? Um, I don't see dude, it. Dude, beach volleyball. Just gonna hanging, throw that out. Hanging out with the boys, beach volleyball. I don't think I don't think it's the most homoerotic film ever made. Cruz has much better chemistry with than he does with Kelly McGillis in that movie. He has a bunch um, of chemistry like, like with Top Kilmer. Guy. I think, yeah, yeah, that too. He could be my wingman anytime. Like, I, I think the movie's fun. I, I think it's a fun flick. I With the homoerotic stuff, whatever, okay. Like, when you kind of watch it and you're thinking about that, it's like, you know, that kind of makes it be even more fun. But, you know, <laughs> the most homoerotic movie ever made, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Guy's gone wild, totally. But it's 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 an eighties it's it's an eighties action movie, and you know this was a time where you know there was certainly a lot of homoeroticism in movies back then. That's why the eighties were pretty awesome. And the, the only thing I really disagree with the fallout of what happened after Top Gun was the fact that I'm not a militaristic person, and this this movie made the military look so fun and awesome. I think they said it was almost a 700% increase in submissions to the Naval Academy within the year after Top Gun came out. So Top Gun was kind of a recruitment film. Well, well you know, it's, I, I still thought it was a good movie. I'm just saying that aspect I disagreed with, but I didn't like that movie first run. I didn't like it when I saw it on video. That's not one I'm disliking because, you know, it's cool to dislike the popular one. I'm, I've am i never liked Top Gun. That one's never I, done anything for me. I know plenty of people who don't like Top Gun. Um, and, and, and like, and like what you just, and like what you just said, it isn't because they're, they're like trying to be cool or anything like that. They just simply don't like the movie. And, you know, I get it. I get it. I do. If you don't think it's a fun flick, then you just don't. 
but I do. I but I do. I I think it's I think it's a I think it's a fun action movie. It's not it's not one of my favorites. The '80s. I probably don't love it as much as some other people do. Probably not one of my favorite Tony Scott movies, but but I enjoy it. I've seen it a few times. I get some enjoyment out of it. Well, I I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's definitely sort of one of those very pro-America Cold War movies, but it doesn't like a it's it's. <laughs> Well, there's still, like consequences to actions in the movie. I mean, it's still it does it in a very light-hearted, fun way. Like mm-hmm. it, it manages to be an '80s Cold War action movie, but doesn't it, it never really gets like that grim aspect that a lot of them did. So I mean, it, it still makes it, like a light movie. Like you can watch it really any time. Like you don't have to especially be in any particular mood to watch Top Gun. If it's on, like, like, uh, like Brad, like it's it's far and away not my favorite, you know, '80s flick or even Tony Scott flick. But I mean, it's fun. If it's on, I'll watch it until like a commercial break comes on, and then I'll go back to whatever I was doing. I mean, it's it's just it's it's a fun movie. Mm. And and Brad, like you said about Tony Scott and the Magic Hour, that whole movie was shot at the Magic Hour. Yeah, and it it looks gorgeous. It, it does, as does his next film, the 1987 Beverly Hills Cop 2, which so you, you and I talked about. <laughs> yeah, you, and you and I talked about that last week. But mm-hmm. man, I, I love that one. That was actually, if I'm going to give Beverly Hills Cop a 10 out of 10, 2 is a 9 out of 10. It's just a little bit not as good. That's all. I, I totally love 2. I love everything about 2. I, I, I think, think it's not better is- than the first one, but it's a damn good follow up. It's it's a beautiful looking movie. The uh, the music they got on the soundtrack, the the original score to the movie, and honestly, really how gritty some of it is too. Just point blank, people just being just shot, you know, whether it's in the head or you know jogging on the street. Um, and it's also full of backlit fans. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that it's it's kind of a seedy looking movie, and I I really dig that about the flick. And it's funny. It's really funny when Eddie Murphy goes in there with the bag and he's pretending that it's a bomb, and uh, the the with Taggart and they're saying that he's Gerald, former President Gerald Ford, you know. And, Brad, uh, and Brad, also, yeah. how the f- do you steal a house? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, just the crime aspect of it, I thought was really cool and dark. The whole alphabet crimes thing, I I, I dug that. I, yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, of of the uh, the Beverly Hills Cop movies, like, honestly, two probably is my favorite. I mean, it, it's the first one I saw. I mean, it just, I, I really like it. Like, like Brad was saying, like the Alphabet Crimes thing was really cool. Jurgen Prock now and cold as ice, Brigitte Nelson in that. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I loved it. Damn, that's a big bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How high up do those legs go? <laughs> she was great in that movie. That's because she didn't really have to emote or act, really. But she was still good. Good is good, and she was good in that movie. And uh, no, actually, th- there's one scene that is not Eddie Murphy that steals that movie from me, and that's Gilbert Gottfried. They're just talking to him, and they tell him about the parking tickets. He picks up the phone and goes, "Bitch!" and hangs it yeah. up again. I I just love that so funny, and you can almost see by their reactions that was not planned. That was that probably an ad lib that they didn't expect him to do that. Yeah, that was most likely an ad lib because you can almost see Eddie Murphy start to laugh. 
and uh, Judge Reinhold with his trunk of weapons at the end. And, and the Cobra Lord. poster on his bedroom wall. Yeah, yeah. Billy, Billy, seriously, we got to talk. <laughs> and then after that, I have not seen his next movie, which he took another three-year gap to 1990 called Revenge. Uh, I saw it in 1990 when it hit video. Yeah, it's it's the Kevin it's the Kevin Costner flick with uh, Madeline Stowe. No, I, I've heard the title before, but I I honestly couldn't tell you a thing one about it. Okay, well then let's move on to the 1990 movie, which has been called Top Gun with Cars, and I disagree with that. But Days of Thunder, I think it well, is. It, kind of... It's a little deeper than Top Gun got story wise or character wise. I think. I think half the reason it's called Top Gun with Cars is just because Tom Cruise is back in it. And it's yeah, Tony he, Scott again. It's Tony Scott again. It's Tom Cruise. And Tom, Cru- and Tom Cruise is playing a character that's not unlike Maverick in Top Gun. Days of Thunder got just destroyed by the critics when it came out. And it's one that I, and I don't particularly like it, but that one is much more beautiful to me than Top Gun was. It It's a very gorgeous looking movie yeah i mean i can say that about any tony scott movie really like and, and and yeah and days of thunder certainly has that look to it as well i'm not a days of thunder guy because i i'm sorry i, I just don't like freaking nascar i don't like car racing I, I don't like i don't like anything that ever revolves around that ever 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 I just, it, it, it takes more than shi- big shiny objects driving in circles to get you stimulated yeah, it really, really does. Make it, make it, make it a uh, Death Race 2000 rules, then I'll watch it. You just want to see Stallone throwing spaghetti on people. I do. Put Stallone throwing spaghetti at people in Days of Thunder, I would have liked it. Put Stallone throwing spaghetti and calling someone a baked potato in Talladega Nights. Uh, uh, probably still wouldn't have liked it, but at least I would have had that. It's one I, I don't think I, I've seen that one since I was like 10. Since 1990, probably, huh? Yeah, but I, the biggest thing I remember about it was thinking, crap, I love Mellow Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then then we go on to what I think is, I don't know, this and the next film are going to be dueling it out for my favorite Tony Scott film, but Last Boy Scout. I love this movie. This movie is like Flash Gordon to me where I own it on VHS, on DVD, on Laserdisc. I'll watch it whenever it's on cable. I saw it in the theater. I've got a poster for it. I've got the soundtrack. I love The Last Boy Scout as a movie. Friday night's a great night for football. Hey, life up, bitch. I love Last Boy Scout. Last Boy Scout is one of Willis's most underrated movies, and I think it's also one of... Joe Hallenbeck is one of his most underrated characters. He is funny as hell in this movie. That the movie, the action is great. It's bloody. Pushes the guy's nose up to his brain. The chemistry between the two is just awesome. It's a solid plot too. Well, I love it. I love how they work in assassination with football. You know the and uh, him as the private detective. Damon Wayans is this, this drug addicted. Uh, 
football player. It's it just works. The movie totally. It's it's one of yeah. I agree. It's it top top three top three Tony Scott movies. And it, it even makes fun of the the then still emerging action movie genre. Remember at the uh, end, man, you you can't just hit somebody with a surfboard without saying something cool afterwards. And yeah. you know it's all kind of self referential right there. I forgot to tell you, Pom meets fuck you in Polish. <laughs> hey, that ain't funny, man. And the villain, Taylor Negron, is Milo. I wish we'd get a director's cut of that. I'd love to see his full death scene. Because you can tell by how quick they edit away, they shot him going into those helicopter blades. I'm going to show your daughter what a hot date I am. Danielle Harris was really good, too. Why did Mr. Milo cross the road? Because his dick was, was stuck, stuck in, in a chicken. chicken. Hey, man, will you cut with the wife jokes? <laughs> ask, me how, ask me how fat she is. F*** you, man. All right, how fat is she? Wrong place, wrong time. Nothing personal. That's what you think. Last night I f***ed your wife. Oh, you did, huh? Well, how'd you know it was my wife? She said her husband was a big pimp-looking motherfucker with a hat. Oh, you real cool for a guy about to take a... <laughs> I just laughed so hard at that. <laughs> And you know what? I I've never read Shane Black's script for that. The way Bruce Willis delivers some of his lines in that movie, some of those really do come off like ad-libs. Mm -hmm. I'm not they sure if all of those those jokes were in the script or not. At the same time, Black is Shane Black's really good at that buddy dialogue like that, though. I, I I actually one of one of my favorites in that is just the whole. It's like a re real house. I figured it'd be like a cave with skulls and shit on the walls. <laughs> I think I might have fucked a squirrel to death. <laughs> and then you know you you can't look at some of the other players too. Like Chelsea Field, she she comes off as both evil and oddly sympathetic as the cheating wife. Yeah, yeah, you kind of get it, you know. The way that Joe Hallenbeck is in that movie, it's like, okay, I, I putting myself in her shoes, she's not completely evil here. Yeah, it, and the movie actually works. We, we, we can't avoid pointing out the fact that since Tony Scott committed suicide jumping off a bridge, there's the scene where Jimmy mm -hmm. Dix gets thrown off of a bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> kind of bad taste now, except... He, did, he got thrown off a bridge. There's, there's two guys, me and Super Dave. <laughs> then passes out. I'd actually be surprised if anyone really knows who Super Dave is without having to Wikipedia him right now, though. Come on, Super Dave Osborne, 80s That's Showtime sad. series, bizarre. Come on, Brian, you remember Super Dave Osborne, right? Oh, hell yeah. So what are, you, what are your thoughts? Because Brad and I have just been jibber-jabbering. What are your thoughts <laughs> on Last Boy Scout? I'm definitely thinking I need to watch it more so I can get in on these quoting matches with you guys. <laughs> well, when you've seen the movie over a hundred times, it's not that difficult. Well, I have it, so I guess I need to keep going. But no, it's it, it's a it's a really fun movie. I, I love that it's 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 one of those buddy cop movies that that the whole time, like when you're watching it, you're not like it, it doesn't. I, I guess it may I don't know maybe because like you said like it's sort of the the, the emergence of a lot of like this kind of action stuff uh, like it was that it's it doesn't like I I wouldn't be sitting there like oh yeah buddy cop movie whatever you know it's it doesn't feel cliched in a way about it yeah especially since you know they're both like one's a private detective and the other's a former pro football player the two characters 
really don't like one another. Like the the, the scene at the car trunk, you know, is everyone yeah. here stupid? Boom! Just you, Flash. Yeah. You know, just he doesn't bat an eye that he just saw him get punched in the face. Just you, Flash. You know, these two guys don't really like one another, but they're stuck together. Which mm-hmm. you can say a lot of buddy cop comedies do that, but but these guys are thrust together through not oh the captain's making us work together. They don't really have a choice. There's also like kind of a mutual respect between the two as well, especially given like you know him finding out that the Bruce Willis character was once a fan of the of the of the Damon Wayans character. You know, you you had a lot of stuff like that going going throughout the movie. And, th- and then you you even had like you brought up the brutal violence, the the scene where Halle Berry gets gunned down. Oh my the, god! The, the, the guy yeah. that's pinned between the two cars. And Hellebeck uh-huh. just comes up and shoots him in the head, and he doesn't even stop. He just keeps walking, like you know, it's like he was swatting a fly off of his shoulder. Oh, just yeah. boom! I just killed a guy. All right, who's next? And it's like that's there's just some or, or the scene where he gets shot in the hand, where Jimmy Dix gets oh, shot in the hand. Yeah. Not only did that come out of nowhere, but then I'm like, damn, that was brutal. Or the uh, <laughs> those new plastic keys, the kind that shred engulfs that guy in flames even even when when rick dukeman outside the pool gets killed yeah just, he's like just, just, this, just yeah it comes out of nowhere and then mm-hmm. like you brought up milo's death is probably one of the literally bloodiest up to that point torn apart by a helicopter blade what is and he... that's after being shot like a hundred times what is he doing up there looks like he's dancing dance the jig dance the jig i swear to christ so last boy scout might be my favorite otherwise it would have to go to 1993's true romance true romance is a masterpiece i I actually this is one where i prefer the theatrical cut all the director's cut ads is violence and it didn't really need it. it 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 kind of throws the pacing of the film off a little bit not in some instances. In some instances, I thought it, that worked a lot better in the director's cut. The 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 scene where uh, Patricia Arquette kills James Gandolfini, and just after being thrown around and beaten. You want to like, talk brutal? That whole scene where he's beating the sequence. crap out of her? It's mm. realistic looking. And I like it better in the director's cut that when she gets him, she shoots him about ten times with a shotgun and then starts beating him with it. Which would, which that character would have done in that situation, and that's after, after he's got a corkscrew through his foot and been hit in the face with the back of a toilet. So there, there were some touches in the director's cut that I that I really liked. Uh, actually, yeah, between the two, I've seen the director's cut far more than I've seen the the theatrical. Now I'm not sure. I have not read Tarantino's script for for this, but I I did see him bitching that he was not happy with. I think the way, and I'm almost quoting here, I'd have to dig out like an old film thread or something to get the exact quote, Tony, yeah. how Tony Scott messed it up. Well, I think Tarantino's biggest complaint, because Tarantino, I've, I've, I've seen Tarantino talk about the movie, and he, and he, and he likes it fine. I, this uh, is right after it came out, so I'm uh, sure yeah, he, time has maybe softened him up on the movie some. The biggest difference is the ending, because originally Clarence died. And I really don't like the the original implication of the ending that the baby was Drexel's and not Clarence's. I, I really wanted at least some good to have come out of their relationship and I, not I never, not no, having never, Drexel win. I never thought about that. 
It's on the commentary. He he mentions because when you see the little kid, he's got the cornrows and everything, just like Drexel. And they were making the implication that that the kid might have been Drexel's, and she was already pregnant before she met Clarence. Oh, I yeah. See, I never and and, and that I, I kind of went. Thought, oh, I never thought about that. I didn't notice it either till it was pointed out, and then I went, "No, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. I wanted the kid to be Clarence's." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, that, that's not exactly Drexel's like original like hairstyle. So why the kid would be born with that is well, the odd. kid was what two three years old. It would have just been some stylistic thing that you know Patricia Arquette yeah. would have done. But you want to talk yeah. brutal? The fight between Clarence and Drexel is one of the most brutal hand to hand combat fights I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. The way the music and the lighting and my. God, when he shoots Drexel in the cock. Uh-huh. Oh, and, and then, look at me! Look at me! And then he just shoots him, like, multiple times in the face. Just, I mean, the guy's clearly dead, and he's still shooting. I love everything about that movie. I love I love it that it's it's a movie about, you know, uh, this movie geek, this comic book geek who works in a comic book shop. You know, he ends up with this call girl, and they you know, get, get caught up in like a drug operation in Hollywood and stuff. That's it's Clarence is just one of the most relatable fucking characters that I, that I've seen in a movie. And, and then you have the guest cast, basically yeah. anybody who was a name in Hollywood has a cameo. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is so funny. Yeah. Condescend to me, man. Can kill you. You know, he's all wasted <laughs> talking to James Gandolfini and that like this. It's like that was just I, I love that. I love Man. how you get a clearer view of Val Kilmer in the trailer than you do in the actual movie. <laughs> and then you, you tell me if the scene between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken is not poetry on film. One of the one of the greatest one of the greatest scenes of all time. I haven't killed anyone since nineteen eighty four. Brian, true romance, what are your thoughts since you need to jump in on this shit, man. Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, kind of like how we were talking uh, uh, there a few weeks ago about ones that's surprising that you've never seen yet. This one, I I don't know why. I've just never gotten around to watching True Romance. You need wait, to, because... Wait, really? Yeah, seriously. Like, I've, I've had it, like, on my hard drive here I for, like... I was kidding when I said that. Yeah, no, no I, I've had it on you my hard prophetic, drive for, like, Brad. years. I've just never gotten around to watching it. Okay, first of all, Tony Scott's direction is great. You've got a cast. You cannot... Okay, you've got Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Michael Rappaport, Tom Sizemore, Brad Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, Samuel L. Jackson, Gary Oldman. I've got to be missing at least a half dozen awesome guest appearances in this, aren't I? Did you mention... Did you mention Gandolfini? James Gandolfini, Bronston, Bronston Pinchon, um, Pinchon, yeah. Uh, Saul Saul Rubinek is the sleazy Hollywood producer. Chris Penn, and, and uh, it's just one of those that everybody who is in Hollywood has a part in this movie. Oh, oh, oh! And, and written and, by uh, Tarantino. Um, and uh, uh, Ator from uh, uh, Troll Three, Ator. <laughs> yes, yeah, he, yeah, he's that bodyguard. Uh, I hate cops. And I then, hate cops! And, and then after he's all shot, the cops, Give me medical attention! I need a hospital! Chris Penn just plugs him twice in the head. Yeah, it, it's it's an awesome movie that you, you just need to see. If nothing else, YouTube the scene with Drexel. I know that's on YouTube. 
And I guess technically Richard Pryor's in this because they're watching a Richard Pryor movie on TV. Yeah. yeah. So uh, technically watching, Richard watching, Pryor has a cameo. They're watching the Mac. You could say the same thing about Sonny Chiba. Oh, yeah, that's right, because uh, the, the kung fu flick he goes to at the beginning. Is a Sonny yeah, Chiba movie. He's going to he's going to uh, uh, a street he's going to a Street Fighter marathon. I think Street Fighter, Return of S- Street Fighter, and Sister Street Fighter. Right. So, you know, it's like we talked about during the Oliver Stone retro, where I think Stone improved on Tarantino's script. I really don't know if Tony Scott made Tarantino's script better or worse, but you can see all these Tarantino touches in this, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not bashing Tarantino tonight because I think. I'm going to assume what's on the screen is more or less Tarantino's script. It was a good way script. Mo- way more than Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Then we move on. He took another two-year break, and then he made Crimson Tide. Eh. I, like, I like Crimson Tide. I don't know. It was just that one to me was eh. So I'll let you and Brian hash this one out. Crimson Tide I thought was a suspenseful movie. Uh, that was even had uh, some ghost writing in it by Tarantino. Oh, Tarantino. I know that. Yeah, Tarantino uh, did a couple of touch-ups on it. He uh, he wrote the scene uh, there uh, at the end where Hackman and uh, uh, Denzel are just kind of waiting there at the end, and then Gene Hackman talks about how much he likes horses. Like this, like real, like kind of human moment in the movie between the two characters who have been at odds with each other through the movie. And then they kind of have you know just this like kind of sort of bonding at the end about 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 horses uh it was a really really cool scene uh, I, I i like i like the movie i i thought it was very entertaining hell it's been forever since i've seen this one but uh i mean i i i don't remember hating it uh, are the next movie the fan i hated that <laughs> film i i could i couldn't stand that movie if the i fan... never if i never see that movie again it'll be too soon yeah, the fan is uh yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I don't think I hate it. I I I don't hate it because it's not very good. It's essentially a theatrical made for TV movie. It's a standard stalker flick and uh but and not nearly as good as uh Cape Fear because you got De Niro as another stalker in this movie. And he even um, plays a lot of the same mannerisms. He's basically playing the same character. Yeah, yeah, and, and so like De Niro and Snipes both certainly elevated pretty bad material. It's not a very good movie. I'm gonna say it's boring because I mean De Niro, De Niro's having some fun in it. Uh, Snipes is pretty good. It is what it is. It is a standard soccer film to the nth degree. I think probably the the two biggest things that I'd say were were really things that. I remember to this day about it where one, just like the, the, the cool scene with De Niro when he, like, he just literally like slams that knife right through the roof of uh, Wesley Snipes car there. I think through the hood, but that and just the ridiculous VHS boxes for that. Oh, that the, was so the, stupid. The, the two sided <laughs> ones. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. One side, it was uh, De Niro with with binoculars, and you see uh, Snipes' uh, reflection. The other side is Snipes and sunglasses, and you see De Niro's reflection with the binoculars. <laughs> because of that box cover, they didn't need to put a synopsis on the box. Oh, yeah, th- <laughs> there's not a thing describing that movie on the box. It's just one side, De Niro, and two smaller Snipes. The other side, Snipes, and two small De Niro's. The sides, the fan. The top, the fan. 
the bottom it, it, hey it's a vhs nothing tells you anything about it but you can look at that and you still know exactly what it's about because the name of the movie is the fan did the dvd do that with the dual cover or not i don't uh, think so i don't know that i've actually ever seen a dvd for this on a shelf i mean, i'm sure there is one but i've never seen it like yeah, same here. i i don't know that i couldn't tell you all right, then let's move on to, I'm 50-50 on this next movie. I liked parts of it. I hated parts of it, and that is 1998's Enemy of the State. I liked it. It it did some cool things, but that one was way too much one of those like late 90s movies where people just assumed that computers can do everything. Like it kind of had like the same problem for me that like stuff like the net did, where it was just... we're, we're actually that's an upcoming topic. We're going to talk about tr- movie trends and. The late 90s computer era is one of our upcoming topics, so. Yeah, because, I mean, this movie, I, I would, more than I'd call it a, a suspense thriller or anything like that, I would, like, this is one that I firmly label as science fiction. I haven't seen the Shia LaBeouf Eagle Eye, but the trailers made it look like it was basically a remake of Enemy of the State. Yeah, that, that's what I thought of that one whenever, uh, whenever mm-hmm. I first saw the trailers for Eagle Eye. I was like, oh, I've already seen this. Yeah, it was called Enemy of the State. It's it's not going to have Jason Lee get run over on a bicycle. I, I thought, but you know, with all that stuff, though, it worked in context of that movie, you know? Cause in the so movie, did the net of- with Sandra Bullock. That worked in context of the stupid movie. And that's the point. The point is, is that it's supposed to work in context. If it didn't work in context of that, then it would have failed. And this one, this one did work. So it didn't, so that didn't bother me, really kind of a branch off from like Gene Hackman's character. I mean, he's not literally playing the same character, but like kind of a branch off from that character that he played in the conversation. I never looked at it like that. Oh yeah. The, the two characters are extremely similar to each other. Well, then next we go to his next thing was a George Michael music video. Sweet. I haven't seen a George Michael video since late eighties, early nineties. So I have to say, I have never seen the George Michael video for one more try. I don't know if it feels like Scott or... They put George Michael in uh, uh, Last Boy Scout or Strip Club where it's playing I Want Your Sex. So, well, I'm just saying, I don't know if it feels like Tony Scott at all or not. Probably, I don't know. And then, then we go to, and Yui had even forgot about this until we were talking on the phone. In 97, they made a TV series out of The Hunger. Which, mm-hmm. which Tony and Ridley Scott both executive produced. Well, Tony Scott directed two episodes of it, including the pilot episode, The Swords. And y- you can tell that he's used to working with a lot more money. You Did can it have t- much to do with the movie? Not really. It was, season one was hosted by Terrence Stamp. Season two was hosted by David Bowie, who was not playing the same character he was in The Hunger. So it's an anthology? It's an anthology. It's a kind of a, crime suspense anthology a lot more in line with the hitchhiker where okay, you, you okay. always had one scene of nudity and usually a twist ending it was very yeah. much like showtime trying to do the hitchhiker from hbo okay all right. and it was just eh you know there was nothing special there yeah i remember watching that one and, and honestly like uh I, I think i saw more of season two than season one do you just remember david heard- bowie yeah, like that's like the biggest thing I remember from it. I always remember like liking Bowie, like his like little like intro segments at the beginning, like like I, well, I mean it's David Bowie. I mean the guy, no matter what, till the day he's gone, he is just a cool, cool guy. 
I'm always going to see him as the time traveling FBI agent from Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what I'm going to see. I'm not going to see him as the man that fell to Earth. I'm not going to see him as Ziggy Stardust. He's the time traveling FBI agent from Twin Peaks. I'm always going to see him as that being Crosby Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to see him being interviewed by Max Headroom. Yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, the Hunger TV series. Now we're getting into where I've only seen one of the movies we're about to bring up. 2001 Spy Game? Anybody? I haven't seen this one. Was that the one with, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Red, uh, Red, Robert Redford? Redford? The one that wasn't the recruit. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't seen this, so... I'm out on this one. I'm out on that, too. Yeah, I, I remember it coming out, but that's the most I can tell you about it. All right. And then, <laughs> and then he did Robert a sh- Redford's in it. And then he did a short film called Beat the Devil, which I haven't seen. No, no, me, me neither. I, I hadn't heard of that one until I looked at his uh, filmography. Then he did Man on Fire, which, Brad, you and I have talked about this one. that I've mm-hmm. My wife has this on DVD, and I should probably get around to watching the remake of Man on Fire from 04. Yeah, I think you might like it. I, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this. It was it was a brutal, brutal, hardcore revenge movie. Like, more brutal than I had seen in a, in, in, in a while at, at that point in, in 04. Man, the, the stuff that Denzel does in this, like, interrogating a guy after he shoved C4 up his ass, questioning a guy with the guy's hands duct taped to a steering wheel, and if he doesn't get the answer he likes, he cuts off a finger and seals the wound with a car cigarette lighter and the whole scene is playing like a spanish version of mickey you're so fine like it's it's it was a rough rough flick it was a it was a it was a take no prisoners freaking beat the information out of your revenge movie and i dug it it's a little slow uh it, it has a big build up to it but when it gets going it it gets it gets pretty brutal it was kind of the start there of that of the style that Tony Scott pretty much continued doing with his movies, which was very, very quick cuts, a lot of handheld work, a lot of different stylistic choices, like different things that they do with subtitles in the movie. You and um, I are going to talk about that when we get to the two, to 2005 in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely like that, but I thought that it really, really worked. I thought that he did it better than Michael Bay has ever done. Because, because I, because, because with all that going on in Man on Fire, I could still tell what was going on. Yeah, that's one I, I, I haven't seen the, the. I've only seen probably like the second half of this one, because it, it was one that just like from the trailers never really caught my eye. I'm like, okay, it's a guy, you know, protecting this family, going going after this little girl. Okay, so it it just never really caught my eye, especially because I'm like, oh, Denzel. I don't really think of him as an action guy. Okay, whatever. But yeah, then I, I. I saw it, uh, or at least the second half, like I kind of came into it and he's like yelling at this woman in Spanish and then just beating this dude senseless in front of her. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? It's like, great, I just, right? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I just, I wasn't expecting, like you said, like that level of intensity out of this. Like I, I just feared it was just going to be like another kind of just like stereotypical sort of, you know, like, like oh, it's an action movie. What you'd consider to be like a you know early two thousands revenge movie, which is was pretty tame. But then you just have like say just Denzel just going around just just mercilessly beating people and just mm-hmm. doing all kinds of things that you would never expect. Yeah, and I mean it's just it's it, 
it it's definitely that, worth watching. It earned that hard R. <laughs> Alright, then next he did another short film called Agent Orange. Again, I haven't seen it. I, I've never seen any of the Tony Scott short films. Then he did Domino, which is probably my most hated film amongst his entire filmography. It's even above the fan. I can't tell you if I thought it would have been a good movie. It's edited like a blind person on an ADD while having a seizure edited this movie. I don't think four frames go by without an edit to a different camera angle or a different shot. I got motion sick trying to watch Domino. I could tell what was going on. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was underrated. Uh, I didn't think it was one of his best. I like it a hell of a lot better than the fan. Thought the I thought the characters were really good. I thought Kira Knightley did a good job. I loved Mickey Rourke in it. I enjoyed it. And I, I do also have to say, for the sake of full disclosure, the real Domino sued them to make them stop trying to call it a true story because she said only approximately 10% of what wound up on the screen Mm -hmm. was part of her real life. The rest of it was all Hollywood invention, yet all the posters and the trailers were the true story of Domino Harvey. And she's like, no, 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 not a no. You don't get to do this. Yeah, that doesn't make it a bad movie. I'm just just saying we need to point out that it's billed as a true story, and it's not even close to that. Yeah, but yeah, so are most movies billed as a true story. Yeah, th- this is one again. Like I, I just never got around to watching. It just it. This one again. The trailers never grabbed me, and I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Kira Knightley, honestly. Until like right now, I didn't even know that Mickey Rourke was in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly one that I went to go see just because Tony Scott directed it. And yeah, I can't say I'm a huge Kira Knightley fan either, but I thought she was good in this. 2006's Deja Vu, which I've never even heard of. That's another Denzel one. It was Oh, okay, saw... no, now that you said Denzel. Okay, I think I remember seeing the trailer for this one then. This one's like like a is this one like, like I remember the the trailers kind of selling it like it was like a time travel sort of like uh like final destination type thing. Like he'd see stuff happen and then be able to no, go that's... back and change it or something. No, no, that's next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh my bad, my bad. I get I get Denzel and Nick Cage confused a lot. Are you telling me they're not the same guy? I I I think Denzel Washington is Nicholas Cage with a really good suntan. <laughs> well, that's the show, folks. Good night. <laughs> they are both awesome. All right, and then after that, he did an episode of the TV series Numbers, which I stopped watching long before the Tony Scott episode came about. So I have not seen that. Either of you guys, big Numbers I fans? Saw a couple episodes of Numbers, not my thing. Not into that procedural type show anymore. Not not my thing. I think I've seen like five minutes, like flipping through channels, and it was insufferable the entire time I was watching that show. So yeah, I I can't say that I've seen. I don't know. Maybe it was that episode. I'm just saying I didn't like it. So he also did the remake of the Taking of Pelham One Two Three, and then Unstoppable. Neither of which I've seen. So I'm gonna uh, set un- out these two. Unstoppable, I thought was really good. And if this is Tony Scott's last movie, he made a fun one. It was it was a pretty like simplistic movie, you know, uh, you know, a kind of sort of disaster type movie we'd see in the seventies. Denzel you know, this again unstop- too? Yeah, yeah, it is with this unstoppable train. It was it was very very entertaining. Uh, but yeah, Brian saw Taking a Pelham One Two Three, and I remember you it, saying it was bad. Oh, it is it is terrible. It it does. It's basically like it's filmed like it's an episode of CSI. 
it's erratic, it shows things, like they'll explain what they're about to do, and then it'll show you what they're doing, and then it'll cut back to them explaining what they're going to do. I mean, it's, it's insufferable. Like, they'll explain that they're going to move, like, you know, detour some things from one side of Manhattan to the other, and then it'll show you, like, a Google Earth image of, like, the route they're taking and stuff like that, and a couple quick cuts of trucks moving. What you're saying is it's an action movie for dummies. Yeah, it's it's by the numbers. Although, what's the worst part about it is it is a terrible remake of the taking of Pelham One Two Three. Oh, the original is awesome. That, that's one of my favorite Walter Matthau movies, and this does absolutely no justice to that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's a good thing that that Tony Scott goes out on un- Unstoppable rather than Pelham One Two Three. Yeah, yeah I, 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 Pelham, I would say, is probably in my opinion, of ones that I've seen of his, Travolta's second worst movie next to uh, uh, Battlefield Earth, and he gives it a run for it. What I want to say is Tony Scott was a great director who was often overshadowed by his equally talented brother, but I I think it's a shame that he's gone, that we're not going to get any more Tony Scott movies, and what I want everyone to do after listening to this is to go grab Last Boy Scout or True Romance or Beverly Hills Cop 2 or The Hunger or something, pop it in, watch a, watch a Tony Scott movie. Have a, have a marathon, and you pick the best ones too. True Romance, Last Boy Scout, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Those, those, that's my top three right there of Tony Scott. Ever since I was a kid, was a huge fan. Always looked forward to his movies. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, even, even for me, that the idea of just going ahead and having a marathon right now sounds actually like a really good idea. Cause I mean, even for someone like me who, I mean, I've seen a majority of his movies, but even at that still like, like one that's, you know, in contention for his best one, true romance I've yet to see. So, I mean, even for me, I mean, there's, there's, there's still something new here to see. And if it's on your hard more, drive, one more thing to really like about him. If it's on your mm-hmm. hard drive next week, we're going to ask you how it was. Cause you're going to watch it this week. Damn right. Just gonna put me on the spot like that. No, actually, yes, I, I am. I, I'm off on Sunday, so that's probably what I'm gonna. Uh, if I don't have a chance to uh, hear uh, tonight, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be doing that Sunday. Tony Scott, you made it. You made a lot of great movies, and your voyage to the beyond. Best of luck, night guys.
goose is dead. The bats have left the bell tower. The victims have been bled by velvet lines. The black box. Bell of the goose is dead. Bella Lugos is dead. 